1: everyone, thanks for listening to the Western Hunting Up podcast. Sitting here in my new office and getting all set up. Got my table out. Sitting on a metal chair though. I need a good office chair. But uh, it's seeing a little bit more settled in. Got my, looking at my gear room. Things are good. Going out turkey hunting in the morning and life is good when you can just walk into a room, grab what you need and out the door you go in the morning and not having to dig through bins and all kinds of junk, just wondering where your crap is. So good gear organization is kind of fun to have, but also this time of year is a good time to, to get after that. So that's a recommendation. If you're not in the Turkey woods doing any of that or out shooting your bow, I'd suggest getting your crap together and get it organized. Uh, but there's other, so, uh, Whole other list of things you ought to be doing. So I am starting a uh, Going Traditional series. And I kind of talked about this a while back, but I didn't have my bow yet. I ordered it in July and it took forever to get here. It just had some limb issues, I guess. I don't know what it was. But I appreciate Hoyt for setting me up with a a new bow and uh, helping me choose the right one. That, that'll fit me. So appreciate them for that. Um, but it's a cool deal. Uh, I'll, I'll yeah, Actually, I'll get to that in just a minute. But it's, it's that time of year again that it seems like everything starts. You've got all this lag time, even though it didn't really stop. We had trapping season and a <clears throat> few other little things going on in the winter time that, that we all like to do. But it just, that's, it seems my slow year, slow time of the year is that late winter. Uh, definitely wasn't doing much bobcat trapping this year so or any. Uh, so that, this is actually the first year I didn't trap for, uh, since I started trapping. So I uh, guess I can't count this year's uh, year of experience, but whatever. Um, did get some kids out earlier uh this week or last week and and helped them catch some raccoons and skunks that were getting into their stuff so that was pretty fun catching their first animals and and using their uh the bounty money they'll get on the tails to get their first hunting rifle so that'd be pretty cool to see a couple of kids advancing their their outdoor skills uh and and trying to do whatever they can to to get the materials they need so in in this off season for me it's kind of weird just being in a, a new home not having my regular routine I don't have my archery range set up so outside so it's nice in the morning and I'm not getting out and shooting it's just kind of weird. Uh, I've got my archery range at work which I can get a little shooting in but it's it's just a little different. I don't have those routines set up yet and I feel like uh it, just like when you, when you aren't doing anything, you're not working out, you're not doing shooting and trying to get rolling with that. It's not even the easiest thing to do. I love shooting my bow. I absolutely love it, but it's still always trying to make time for that. It's one of those hard things, especially when there's sheds out on the ground. Uh, and it is shed season now in all those States that have closures. Um, South Dakota does not have a shed season, like I've told you before, but, uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting concept and or, or law and rule that is in place in, in all these Western States of the shed hunting season. And I've got some feelings toward that. And, and I know a lot of other people as do, I'm sure you do as well. Drea was out. Uh, my buddies, some of my buddies were out in Colorado I didn't make it back this year because my boy's birthday is April 30th. And so getting anywhere May 1st, is just not doable. And I've got some shed hunting right outside my door. So that, that works for me. Other years, I'll make some trips at it. When the kid gets a little bigger, I, I definitely can see, I know shed's hun- shed hunting has just gotten to be such a super popular thing. my buddy texted me the other day and said somehow uh, antler buyers have ruined it all. And I agreed, even though I am one of those guys buying antlers. It is that's it's ruined it. <laughs> There's having a market on something uh, does create the issue. We look at what market hunting did to our wildlife populations. It's the same concept: you create a market on something, and that resource is depleted, or overexploited, or or whatever, what have you. It's and it it's this is a resource that's. You're never going to deplete it, but it's definitely one of those things where there's competition and you're not going to find as much as, as somebody probably would 20 years ago when nobody really cared or thought about having, picking these things up. Back, uh, 15, 20 years ago when I first found my first sheds, I thought it was the coolest thing, but just lived in an area where there wasn't much around and and the shed hunting wasn't a thing. I, I wasn't, there wasn't a place to go do it. Uh, I think I definitely if I was in an area where there was public ground for me to go hike around, I think I, I think I would have got into it a lot earlier. It's just something about antlers that they're great to handle, fun to find, and uh, it's a good time. So, yes, antler buyers ruined it. I'll agree. So uh, at that time of year again, like I was saying time to start shooting uh if you're not shooting you're behind uh, and making sure that that you are getting your your shoulder and and backs and arm strength up a little bit i noticed that as i started shooting a little bit after i took a pretty big hiatus was that my stability was just horrible i just could not be stable uh it just didn't feel right. It just felt my stamina and shooting. I'd shoot like 20 arrows and be like, I'm getting worse and worse after just 20 arrows. And it, and about a week later, felt a lot better. And a week later felt a lot better and I wasn't shooting every day, but just enough to build up some of that strength. So it doesn't take long to build up whatever strength you need to be shooting and feeling good. So I would suggest get out and at least shoot two, three times a week. And uh, that's going to make a world of difference. I did notice uh, over the last couple months as I tried out my first choice little Carter thumb release that I'm a little more accurate. It uh, It's a pretty sweet little gig. I, I, I didn't know if I would. I didn't think I'd hunt with it, but I actually had to sight in my bow to it. I'm thinking my anchor point was just a little different, but it doesn't make sense to me because I'm anchoring a little lower maybe it does make sense Uh, I can't think about what that would would do but I feel like maybe I'm anchoring lower than with my wrist strap and so I was shooting lower that'd be opposite I don't I can't tell you but maybe I am I am a little higher I'm not sure anyway uh I do now I have to use that that all the time because I am sighting my bow in for that and going back to a wrist strap would just be a little too it'd be different I'd shoot I'd be shooting off so need to get that that tape on there I gotta had to move tapes on my my uh HHA sight, which I love and need to to get that dialed in just a little bit more and then I'll be ready to go because we got the alpha coming up. Uh, I see they're going to Pennsylvania this year. That's pretty crazy and trying to spread out just a little bit further. So we're, we're going to finals this year. Drea's is going to be there. And I think uh, I know my dad and I are both going and maybe another buddy or two are going to be heading there as well. So if you haven't checked out the alpha bow hunting challenge in Denver, it's definitely a good time. Or if you're in the East Coast, they're going to the Pennsylvania. So look up Alpha Bow Hunting Challenge. And that's coming up here pretty quick. Check that out. It's a really fun, different style of archery shoot that even uh, big guys, small guys, athletic people not so athletic can can participate and have a good time in. But also, this time of year is kind of my theme for this episode. Uh, is just becoming disciplined and to meet your goals and that's um, now that I'm getting settled in this new house starting to set my alarm a little earlier again working on personal goals in the morning and not just sitting there watching fox news but trying to trying to get uh, get something done in the morning before work and, and whether that's not physical fitness at the moment but I bet you that's going to be replaced with what I'm doing here later? Just trying to get caught up on computer work and do some some business related things, do some podcasting, and in the evenings, not just sitting around. Also, um, it's important for me to spend time with my family. Like I am taking away time from my family right now to do this, but it's it's a good time uh, when when I the kids in bed and I, I need to get some podcasting in and whatnot. So I'm just trying to be a little bit more disciplined. and I encourage you to do the same to meet your goals. What are your goals? And way back in the beginning when I had just Ryan from Hun AZ, uh, as my listener, um, I talked about setting goals and, and knowing what you want to do for the season. So he should be thinking about that. Most Western States, you you needed to have things figured out for the draw and what your goals were. So I've got that in and, and my dad and I definitely have some lofty goals of going to Colorado to archery hunt again. Lofty meaning we've got we're chasing elk with a bow. That's it's not an easy thing. Ten, fifteen percent success rate is there for a reason. 10%, I believe. And uh, it's it's tough. It's physically challenging. I had my 30, 35-pound kid on my back yesterday hiking around looking for some antlers, and I realized that was just a 35-pound pack. I think my five day back country pack is with food is about 35 pounds, 40 pounds, you know, with water, probably 45. Um, it's under 40. I bet it's under 40. I have to weigh it again this year, see where I was at. I never weighed it with food and water, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, did a few miles with him and I was like, oh I'm getting my butt kicked. So it's definitely, uh, kind of opening my eyes to, I need, I need to get rolling again, get my, set my goals and I'm going to meet those. And that, and that, uh, is, how I'm getting there is just being disciplined in the morning, getting, uh, some things done, uh, and kind of focusing on, on, uh, things that are going to better my world and better those people around me. So one of those things that is a goal for me is picking up this recurve. This has kind of been the epitome of my life. I, I try something new just to, just to learn it. And I don't ever exactly become an expert in any one thing, uh, but it's what I just can see examples over and over again. And I always go back and say, I wish I had spent more time in this. Uh, but in the end, it really wouldn't make me that well-rounded individual. Because I think it probably started in middle school or so. I picked every single sport. And I was like, I'm going to try every single sport and just see which one I like. And ended up sticking with wrestling. And wrestling just been ended up being a love of my life. And wishing that that uh, I could have focused more on that. But yet I had other things going on. I was, I was hunting and I was uh, involved in scouts and a few other things. And, uh, I enjoyed snowboarding and rock climbing and, uh, camping and doing a variety of things. Um, even man, I was that nerdy middle school and high school kid, uh, <laughs> watching movies in my, my room and tying flies. <laughs> That's what I did. I'd tie a bunch of flies. I didn't even do much for fly fishing because fly, good fly fishing was a little ways away. So and that's another thing, fly fishing as a middle school and high schooler, that that's what I got into. And I just wanted to learn enough to get dangerous. And then I felt like, ah, I'll figure it out that the rest of it, it just will come. And so I never really became much of an expert, but it gave me a lot of really fun experiences. And that's just how I chose to, to go about living my life. College I spent a lot of time duck hunting with, with buddies and then getting into archery hunting and then getting into trapping, uh, Wish I wouldn't have bought a mountain bike and a, and a snowboard, and just said forget that. But again, it gave me a skill that I I didn't wouldn't have had. So in the end, I appreciate and glad I made those decisions to try something new and figure it out. Because I've got this skill set that's just all over the place, but I'm not a master at any one thing. So. Not saying I want to be a master with this. That's, again, not my goal and really not how I I live my life, just to pick up a bow and I want to learn it. And in South Dakota, you can get a lot of deer tags. So if I can fill my buck tags and have a bunch of doe tags left over, and uh, there's a lot of areas where deer are just absolutely destroying a ton of farmer's crops. Uh, Their hay crop is just getting destroyed. So um, getting a doe tag in those areas would be easy, easy. So I'm thinking that that would be a a pretty solid option to maybe bust this thing out. We'll just kind of see. I I can definitely see where 25 yards with this thing is a long shot. (laughs) I, I was shooting at 25 yards and I had, I had some, uh, uh, user error for sure. Thought I had it figured out for a second. No, not at all. So my goals in, in, having this recurve is one to open up new opportunities at alpha one and, and 3d shoots, uh, but to two open up opportunities to, and challenge myself for, uh, some more fun bow hunts. Uh, I, not that I need any more challenge, challenge, challenges with bow hunting. Cause I do not fill a tag every year at all or even close. I've, I actually haven't shot a buck with my bow and in some time and didn't shoot a only shot two bulls over the last eight years with my bow. So that, that success rate is not necessarily that great, but the bow I chose, I went with Hoyt, uh, just cause that's the, uh, compound that I have. And I like the company, didn't know where else to go. I didn't know anything about any other company. So I kind of let, well, I figure money, Higher dollar ones got to be better one, so let's just try that out. So, didn't know. Probably not the the best way to go about picking a bow, but that's what I did. But I'm happy with it. Uh, I went with an ILF system, a interchangeable limb system. No, ILF interchangeable limb. Hmm, I lost it. But good thing I have my computer right here. I L F bows. What is an I L F? International limb fitting. That's what it is. So what that means is, uh, and and really, this podcast is for those of you that that uh, maybe that would think it'd be kind of fun to pick up a recurve and just really diving into the things I've learned. Kind of, I want to pull these experts in after I've kind of gone over all these things that I've learned, just doing a little, little research, but have them answer questions and guide me along in my next steps. in this, this adventure of traditional archery. So at this ILF, uh, this international, oh my gosh, what's it called? International limb fitting is means that you could buy a good riser, the center part of your bow, uh, buy a good riser, And then because you don't just go buy one set of limbs and call it good forever, uh, you can go buy some cheaper limbs and work your way up. And that would have been a good thing to do, but I didn't. I just went straight for it. Uh, But in the future, I could go and get some stronger limbs. That is an option, and they don't have to be Hoyt. That whole ILS system means that I can take any brand or any uh, manufacture and put the, their limbs into these limb pockets. So I went with the. Uh, I think I put, posted a picture a while back, or maybe I didn't. But I went with a Kuyu labeled. I don't have Kuyu anything except my uh, Maven binoculars and the limbs on this bow. So I went that and a black riser. It just looks slick. So, so if I even though I can't shoot straight, it uh, it looks good in the process. <laughs> So uh, next were the limbs, trying to figure out what I needed and went through a lot of uh, back and forth figuring that out. So I shoot a 60-pound bow, wish I shot it, had a 70, uh, but the XXL compound didn't come in that at the time I got mine. And so you'd you'd instantly figure, oh, I need a 60-pound bow, Uh, but that's not the case. The 60-pound bow would be the most miserable recurve ever, unless you're just an animal and you're used to it. So I was recommended by Hoyt to get a forty, some 45-pound limbs. I also needed really long limbs just because I'm really long. I got a long draw length. And so the 45 pounds are at a certain brace height. I want to say 28 inches. I think that's what it is. And so 45. But as you start to draw and draw and draw, and if you're like me, keeping to draw back have a 32 inch draw but on a recurve I could keep pulling that back past 32 uh, because it's there's no release there holding my string so I've got further than a 32 inch draw on this thing making even full length arrows questionable where I may need to go to a longer arrow in the future uh, some special order arrows so as you draw and draw draw it adds like pound and a half per inch something like that I, I Don't quote me on that, but it keeps adding that. So I'm shooting at like 43, I'm sorry, 53 pounds or so. Uh, And so it gets up there and and you're going to have that poundage that you need at full draw. So got my 45 pound limbs and I can attest that there's plenty of limb power there. Uh, Definitely not the penetration with my arrows, but I can, That it's enough. If it weren't anymore, I wouldn't be able to hold it anchor. The next thing I need to do, I got my bow, I unpackaged it and figured out like, what do I need for a rest? And it came with the little calf hair, little uh, shelf pieces. I just put those on and I'm going to shoot off the rest uh, You can, or shoot off the shelf. There is some things that you can get to shoot elsewhere, elseways, but uh, I'm just going to shoot off the rest or off the shelf. I mean, I need to get the little beaver balls, the little things that little fuzz balls that go and dampen the sound. Uh, and then I learned to take a little extra calf hair and put it right on the limb where the string is touching the limb. And that's going to help deaden a little bit more of that sound. Cause there is a little bit of that twang as I string, as I shoot that bow and just a, that slap of that string gets the wood and it's loud. It's, it's pretty loud. So an arrow that's not flying as fast as my compound definitely is going to need a little attention in that world. So I'll get a little bit of that calf hair put on there and dampen that down a little bit. So there's this other thing called tiller on in this bow. Uh, There's so many new vocab words that I didn't know. Uh, and I still don't know a hundred percent. So the tiller is something I'm going to have to be messing with. And that's the, It's almost like on your compound, I think if you cranked the top down more than the bottom uh, so that you, and that would be really dumb to do on your compound, but something on your recurve you almost need to do because if you think about it, we don't have a release at the center of the string pulling back evenly on both of the limbs, but we have maybe three under uh, which is how I'm shooting a lot of archers will shoot split finger, one above, two below the arrow. I'm shooting three fingers below. And when I do that, I am putting more pressure on the bottom limb than I am the top one. So as those fly forward, I'm not utilizing all the, the strength of that that top limb. And I'm probably not shooting a perfectly tuned arrow. So there's definitely some things there, adjustments I need to make in the future to really, to make that work. So then it came to shooting my first arrows and back when I was a little kid shooting my little fiberglass bow at some hay bales. I loaded the arrow, looked at the target, let it fly. Instinctive shooting. And that's what I thought was going to be the the method I was going to be going with. You just shoot instinctively and it and it totally is an, a definitely great option and I feel it 10 and 15 yards. I could be deadly with that. They, you know, I could I could shoot pretty well. Um, let's say that not well in the world of recur <laughs> traditional shooting, but I would say I could easily put a group the size of a cantaloupe uh, at ten and fifteen yards, maybe a little smaller, with a little bit of practice. So, and that would be enough to uh, do pretty well shooting a little deer at the at ten and fifteen yards so instinctive is not necessarily the way I'm going to go. Uh, and I know my grandpa was, was quite a uh, recurve shooter in his day doing a little competitive shooting and, uh, did a little bit of hunting with it. And I remember him telling me lots of stories, but one of the things that he did not talk about is using the tip of his arrow. And I think that was even one of those no-nos in, in that day. And it, Still has some controversy of using the tip of the arrow but now there's so many folks that are using the tip of the arrow uh, competitive shooters are using the tip of the arrow as a reference point and then putting that on the target so that's a foreign concept to me in all the years of teaching NASP uh, archery in the schools I always said instinctive shooting was the way to shoot and using the tip of the arrow was not a thing so I I was wrong on that So not only are you using the tip of the string, there's more to it than that. So then you get into what's called string crawling. So what I can do is mark on my finger tabs a little spot and crawl down the string just a little ways, anchor at the same point, and now my arrow is higher up closer towards my eye. And what happens there is it changes with that and then... Putting the tip of the arrow on the bullseye you now have a almost like it you can sight a bow in there's a lot more to it and how the progression of finding your distance your ranges but you can literally sight a bow in by crawling up and down the string at different points a couple of things that i want to learn from my future guests here and that's what what i'm getting at is we're going to bring on some future some guests to help help me learn and help you guys learn how to how this goes but making notes because i just thought about this i need help on anchor points anchor pointing anchor points on a recurve are different than your compound side of your nose i believe and your finger i think is actually smashed into your face versus uh, compound you don't want that smashed into your face so there's a lot of different anchor-related pieces there that I want to learn. So I'll, sh- I'll find that out and share it with you. So the other type of shooting with your arrow tip is called gap shooting, where you put that arrow tip on the middle of the target, and say I'm shooting at 20 yards, I know the trajectory of my arrow, so I'm going to put that arrow tip uh, four inches high or four inches low, actually, Um, and that's going to make its way go go into the target. So understanding the gaps at those different distances and how far, low, or high to aim on the target. However, the issue with that is when you just put your arrow, the tip of your arrow on the target and your finger's just right below the arrow, three fingers below, my sight in point, my on point point, distance is 40 yards so i draw my bow i have it set three fingers below tip of the arrow on the middle of the target that's when it's going to hit at when i'm at 40 yards 40 yards is a long long shot and there's a whole lot of arc in between so gap shooting that would mean i have to aim really really low to be able to hit what i'm trying to hit so i under i realize that's a hard thing to to visualize, but you have an arc of this arrow that is, that is far greater than your compound. And you have to play that out. So gap shooting is not necessarily the best thing to do. So there's a hybrid between string crawling and gap shooting. And this is where I'm at right now. So I crawled down my string about, and I got to look at it about one. The width of one of my or one finger or my index finger. So I crawled down to there and started shooting at 25 yards. And that was just about, I still haven't figured it out complete, completely, but right in there is about the bullseye of the me putting my tip of my arrow on the center of the tar on the bullseye, crawling down the oh, finger width aiming and shooting now left and right is still a little confusing to me. And that's where I got to get my anchor points set. Uh, I was having some amazing consistencies and then I'd throw one off a foot and a half to the right. And that is shooting air. I've got some things there to be working on as far as uh, form. But I think when I get some of these people on, I'm going to be able to, to work on that. So the hybrid version then is that string crawling down, but then also knowing what my gaps are. So if I have a target at 15 yards, I know where my dead on point of 25 yards is. I can adjust maybe a little high for that 15 yard mark. So then that allows me to be a little bit more accurate, say in the field, no, be able to play those distances. Um, that I'm going to have on an animal while in a hunting situation. Apologize if that makes no sense to you. I've watched some videos over and over and over again, explaining these with beautiful charts and graphs and trajectories and all that to explain it. And it's taken me a while to gain an understanding. So explaining it out loud is probably not my forte either. So much to think about. um, And, I realize I can't work on everything there. I need to fix one issue at a time. I realize as I'm drawing, I was like, I can't think about my anchor point and tip my arrow and all this. And I realize new shooters that I've I've been working with, they have the same issue, even though it's a compound bow, that they can't think about all these things all at once. So I, I definitely can... can Go back to square one with them and realize what it means to be a new archer and all the things that you got to think about to to be able to to become proficient with this thing. And so, if I just work on one thing at a time, eventually we'll we'll feel pretty good about this. And I think uh, I made a good investment on this bow, and I, and I'm hoping that that uh, I can be be a decent shot with it. So, other thing when I get these guests on is. Uh, Things I want to learn is proper tuning of an arrow. I've heard that over and over and over again, that tuning an arrow to a recurve is nothing like a compound. And sometimes it's more picking the bow to the arrow than the arrow to the bow. So that's kind of a funny concept. Seems like, uh, our get so, so darn expensive. It's almost more expensive than my rifle shooting. Uh, also I want to find out about other, uh, accessories, uh, a quiver to go along. Uh, there's this thing called a sear, which I do not understand yet. I don't know anything about it, but I see a lot of guys with this little metal flipper thing right on the – the would be the back of their bow. Um, if you're – the part in between the target and the uh, – in between the – target it's called the back of the bow if you don't know your bow parts i'm sorry but the back of the bow and so you've got this little flipper thing that you put your fingernail on and as you draw an anchor your fingernail flips on that and clicks that and it i think it's supposed to trigger something in a thought process to release that arrow not something i understand at all so i'm really curious to understand if a sear is something i need or want uh, and then also finger tabs I look, I have one. I don't know if it's a good one. I don't know if it's a bad one. Um, I know nothing about them or if I want to go with a glove or what. So definitely have some questions on that. And then like I said earlier, anchor points. So if there's something you want to know about traditional shooting, make sure you reach out and ask me those questions and I'll I'll get those questions answered. Know that uh, this is something I'm not switching over to to switch forever but it's just a chance to fill a doe tag in the future and have fun learn a new skill uh and i'm gonna do it so if, if this is something that you've you've uh, been thinking about and really want to dive into it go pick yourself up a recurve just start flinging some arrows in the backyard like i am definitely takes away from your compound shooting uh, i'll tell you that uh, but you uh you've got another skill and you can be a little bit more of a well-rounded hunter and if you're the guy that that uh, gets into it and starts hunting exclusively with a longbow, man, people look up to that. That's pretty cool, pretty cool deal. So, hopefully, uh, we'll have a few folks. I'm hoping to get about two on to that are, are competent, good traditional shooters. And uh, Hoyt gave me some pretty good names of some folks. Pretty intimidating names, some folks uh, to chat with. So we'll we'll get reach out to them. Hopefully, have some really good interviews. But we'll continue this this saga about going traditional uh, and the things I'm learning. And hopefully, that helps you with with you and what you're gonna do with your recurve or traditional shooting, or maybe even longbow. So, or it's just something to gain a better understanding of of all those other idiots out there walking with a stick and a string. <laughs> Anyway, uh, appreciate you all, and make sure you're getting out in the turkey woods, finding some sheds, getting outside, doing something fun. Don't forget to make sure you're putting in for your points and your are your, uh, uh, getting your applications in. So result, draw results are, are out in Colorado for goat and sheep, but that's about it. we got other kind of things coming that uh, will be kind of see what we draw. So we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Ground. This is God